fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, Let's it fly, and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three, he's got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another episode of Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and as always, I am joined by Chris Emerson to talk some T-Wolves. Chris, how are you doing? Going to be better. Good to hear it. Glad to hear it. And this week, we are joined by Donovan, no, not Donovan, Donover. There we go. Shrupp, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing good. Doing good. Um... So definitely doing better than the T-Wolves. They obviously had a terrible showing against Memphis. Well, particularly in the fourth quarter, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, tonight's game, we're recording this on Friday night, the 15th. Tonight's game against the Memphis Grizzlies has been postponed because uh, Carl Anthony Towns got COVID. Just another – just another – just another st- thing stacked on to his terrible 2020 and so far 2021. So I want to start with this. Chris, do you think that the NBA season will come to a conclusion? Do you think we'll get through it or do you, do you think COVID's going to screw it all up? You know, it's, it's really up in the air, but I guess the, I think it'll come to a conclusion of some sort. I mean, for, for them, how they how they handled it last year, where they went into a bubble for the playoff thing, um, it wouldn't blow my mind if something like that, or maybe even just regional bubbles, something happens. Um, I just don't know how long they can continue with the way they're going right now. It seems like every night there's two to three games postponed. Um, sooner or later, you know that's going to pile up. And there's just not going to be there's just not going to be enough days to make up all these postponements. So I don't know. They're definitely going to have to sit back and figure it out. But if any league can do it, it's the NBA. I think they're the best run league in sports. I think so, too. Donover, what do you think? Do you think that this season will come to a conclusion or do you think COVID will screw up the plans? Uh, I think it will come to a conclusion. You can kind of look at the outline of how baseball did it. And granted, they're not as close as basketball is contact wise, but you can really take away a lot of what they did and maybe basketball can implement some of the same things, but I I do believe they will come to, uh, to an end this season. Yeah, I think so too. I think, but you, like you were saying, I think because baseball made it uh, college basketball right now is making it. um, And so I I honestly think I on the college basketball note, I think that they're going to have, in March Madness this year. So I, I think that that'll happen. So uh, obviously we wish the best to Carl Anthony Towns and anyone on the Timberwolves or uh, even Memphis or what other teams they were playing. If they came in contact with COVID, obviously wish them the best. And um, hopefully we can move forward without any major complications with it. So we had a huge trade in the NBA. And I know this is a Wolves podcast, but – 
we we got to talk about it. Any NBA forum needs to talk about it. The James Harden trade to the Brooklyn Nets, and I'll start with you, Donover. What what were your initial thoughts of the trade, and who do you who do you think won the trade, in your opinion? Um, if we're going between like the two big teams of Houston and the Nets, I mean getting eight first round picks essentially for James Harden is just an absolute ransom. Mm-hmm. Like you can just do that so much. I mean, you see with OKC now they can basically just throw picks at whatever problem they want and go get anything really. Um, the, the one thing that doesn't really make sense to me, it seems like they're in sell mode and that, but then they flip Levert for another pick and get Victor instead. Uh-huh. It, that, that really doesn't make sense to me. They're kind of playing both sides of the fence on that one. Yeah. And and the fact that they – I mean, the the fact with the Westbrook trade, true. I mean, yes, they yes they traded Westbrook, but they got back John Wall. John Wall is not going to want to be on a team that's rebuilding, in my opinion, particularly after he's been out for so long. He's going to want to – he's going to want to go straight at it and, and go for a championship. So kind of a weird, um, weird scenario there in Houston. But uh, Chris – what did what did you think of the of the Chris Harden trade and and uh, what do you what do you think who do you think won the trade in the end do you think it was Brooklyn do you think it was one of the other teams what do you think so I mean I look at it a little differently I see those picks that Houston got as pretty worthless um, I mean they've got they got picks in 20, 2022 from Milwaukee and Brooklyn. So both of those picks, you can pretty much guarantee our late firsts, mm-hmm. which means you're giving a guaranteed contract to a guy that might barely make your roster. So that's a lot of times a first round pick that teams don't even want. They'd mm-hmm. rather have a second round pick where you can get a similar quality guy. You're taking a crapshoot and you don't have to guarantee him any money. They also get the 2024 and 2026 um, by then they might get interesting. I mean, this could turn into what Brooklyn did in the KG era because 2024 and 2026, at that point, Durant and Harden and Kyrie all need to be on another contract. So they're really gambling that none of those guys are going to stay. And it's possible, but you also got to realize this is New York and it's turning into the prime team in New York where, Mm-hmm. If they don't stay, and if they if they hear they're not going to stay, they're going to flip those for more assets. So, I don't see the Nets being bad. So I don't see those picks being anything, even in the lottery, more or less high lottery. So the pick swaps are also kind of pointless because, I mean, when you're trading away a Hall of Famer in his prime, and getting back Oladipo, who is just a one year rental, um, yeah. you're going to be bad. So you're not going to swap swap your pick with, you know, a team that's better than you. So, I mean, to me, what it looks like Houston did was just dumped salary cap. I mean, they get some flexibility with the picks, which they'll be able to move around and, you know, play play the game the same way that they got rid of Harden. They might be able to target some player on someone else's team and give these same picks to them and try to try to bolster it that way, but. What I think Houston's doing is trying to get in the market for the free agent class next year um, Mm -hmm. and build a whole new team from scratch based off 
a free agent superstar. But the real winners, in my mind, are the Pacers and the Cavs. I mean, the Pacers flipped Oladipo, who's making 20 mil, um, not quite the guy he used to be. And they get Levert on a three-year good deal. That guy's a stud. And then the Cavs toss in the Milwaukee Bucks pick, which is going to be, what, 28th this year or something like that? And they get Jared Allen, who's a stud. I mean, he's going to be up for a contract, so they're going to have to pay him. But they're also going to lose Drummond this year. So they're going to flip flip him and try to get something. And they already got their young center built up. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, those two teams – I mean, everyone laughs at cap space and stuff like that, saying it's not worth it. But when big deals like this come out, having that cap space is huge because you can, you know, stick your little hand in there and grab a good player for nothing. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned the Andre Drummond thing. Definitely a player like Jared Allen, who's a little younger, meets the Cavs timeline anyway. I mean, with... Right. I mean, Andre Drummond, you I mean, you know, he's not going to be there long term. There's no way he sticks around in Cleveland, although Kevin Love did. But well, that's because they can't get rid of him. That's true. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Probably um, the worst contract in the NBA. Which is sad to say, because I don't know, I feel like Kevin Love's such a good guy. And like, I feel like Cleveland loves him, but. Yeah, it's definitely a bad contract. So rumors came out today. Uh, oh, wh- one more thing I want to mention. I feel like now the Wolves are in obviously the 15th seed right now. Things aren't looking great. Cat just got COVID. But I think in a small way, this move kind of helps the Wolves in a way. I mean, because it weakens the Rockets. It's really as simple as that. Get James Harden out of the East. And I think it's as simple as that. So uh, speaking of the Rockets... Um, kind of, I, I was seeing some, some rumors today of a potential of, of potentially Rosas talking to the Houston front office, which of course he knows well, cause he used to work there of PJ Tucker moves. Now and I'm going to start with you, Chris, do you want uh, PJ Tucker on this team? And what do you think the wolves would have to give up to get him? And do you, do you think it's, do you think he's worth what they'd have to give up? You know, um, so the ringer came out uh, a couple of days ago and they said a lot of teams were sniffing around Tucker and they said the, the perceived value is three second round picks. Okay. Um, that's not terrible. No. Um, but he's also up for a contract um, and he turned down the contract from Houston. So who knows what Houston offered him and maybe he just doesn't want to stay in Houston because he sees a sinking ship. Um do I want Tucker? Uh, do I want Tucker over what we have right now? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think he would be better. Um, would I take Tucker on a similar deal than we did Ed Davis? Five million? That's probably about what I would pay him. He's 35 years old. I mean, yes, he's physical and all that, but he's 6'6". Like, he's still 6'6". Um, he's not grabbing 10 rebounds a game at six, six. He's not, he is a good man defender. I mean, he would be like a super powered rich man's James Johnson to me, where he's a great locker room guy. He'll get some toughness, but he's not who you want to build this franchise around at the four spot moving forward. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's, 
If it's a handful of seconds, that's fine because our team's young enough. I don't, I'm usually an asset guy. I'm usually a draft pick guy. I'm a build for the future guy. But there comes a point in your team where it's like, we've got enough youth. So I'd be fine giving up some youth for a nice veteran presence. But, mm. you know, we'll see. Yeah. And uh, Donover, what do you think of the potential of P.J. Tucker coming to this team? I, I like what P.J. Tucker brings to the table. I think he would be a really nice, consistent consistent presence next to cap defensively. We saw it with Taj Gibson. When you put a good defensive big next to cat, he, he plays a lot better. And obviously with, with the Carl Anthony towns, we saw through the first two games and his last two games back and his renewed, renewed, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for here is, but <laughs> defensive ability. Defense, yeah. Defensive ability, yeah, and you've really seen it, especially man-to-man defense. If you can add a guy like P.J. Tucker there next to him, I, I think you got to do it, especially for three th- for three seconds. That's mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, and, I, I I agree. I would not – I personally, I don't value second-round picks in too high of lights. Um, just, just in general, I, I don't think they – well, it's it's not like the NFL where you can get like a Dalvin Cook a lot of times in the second round. Of course, it's a lot different. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I I would definitely make the move. It does, like you were saying, scare me that he's a little undersized. He's only six. You were saying six six. I actually looked it up. He's only six five. So oh, give up, oh. yeah, give up an inch there. He is thirty five. Um, I believe he was taken in two thousand six or something like that. So he's old, but. <laughs> But I, I think the team for to make to make a PJ Tucker kind of move, they got to look themselves in the face and decide: Are they a contender, or are are they just trying to build up a young core? I I, I think that's the decision that the Rosas needs to decide. Particularly, I mean, what like let's say Towns is out. Let's say best case scenario, Towns doesn't have any effect from COVID. He's fine. I mean, he's still out. He probably misses three or four more games. What if those are all losses? Is, is it worth it? They are all losses. If cats, I'll tell you right now, they're all losses and probably by 20 points. Yeah. Yeah. First. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the Spurs game did happen. We, we did get the win against them, but yeah, I think the Wolves got to look themselves in the face and decide, is is PJ, are we contenders, and should we even go forward with this? But uh, we got to talk about the, the Timberwolves here, um, kind of their play on the courts. Um, that was a very bad – the Wolves had another – and we talked about it on the show before. The Wolves had another one of their bad quarters where they they play well for 75 to 80% of the game, and then they blow it in either the fourth quarter or in the Portland game it was the second quarter. So so I'm going to put it like this, Donover, the, the loss against Memphis – who is most to blame on this team? Who who is who who do we blame the loss on uh, the most? I know there's a bunch of people you can blame it on, but who would you blame the collapse against Memphis on? As much as I want to put the accountability on the players on the floor, I, I have to put this one on Saunders. We keep seeing the same thing game after game when they go through the lows, and the same thing keeps happening. He's mm-hmm. not setting up his properly we're running out 
Culver, Okoji, just a bunch of non-shooters together, and we just start bricking shots, and it just gets contagious, and we just can't hit a bucket. I think we need to run more actions for Cat in that situation. He needs to stagger his rotations a little bit better, and we have to change up something defensively in those situations. It really just seems like they just pick and roll us to death. They yeah. find they find the guy they want to screen, and they just continue to beat it down and down, and Saunders really needs to come up with an adjustment on that. Okay, and then Chris, who would you blame the loss on? The, just the person you blame it the most on. Do you think it's Saunders? Do you think it's a player? Who do you think? You know, um, partially I want to say it's Rosas, but he's only been here for a, a year and a half, and it's not NBA 2K. You can't flip a whole terrible roster in a year and a half. Right. So, um, to me, I, I agree with the coaching right now. Um, I mean – it's hard to say that because we looked like we were doing so well through three quarters, but it's called adjustments. And that's what they did. They made an adjustment when they saw our lineup that I think was Rubio, Edwards, Culver, Vanderbilt, or Van, or Vanderbilt and uh cat. So we had one real shooter because AE is, or uh, Edwards isn't shooting right now. Mm-hmm. And what did they do? They went zone on us and they made us shoot. Well, we can't. We couldn't, you know, it didn't work. Um, we kept trying to run the same action. Um, the game before, we were running these motion actions where guys were flying around the three-point line, taking handoffs. Like that kind of action would have confused his zone, would have made it, made it, uh, you know, chasing. And we just didn't do any of that. And then in the fourth quarter, or late third, fourth quarter, they went to um, trapping, trapping all of our ball handlers when we pick and roll. So that made us, you know, that made the the role or the the point guard dish it to someone and him make a decision. Well, we had no one out there that could make a decision. That's why we ended up having to put Rubio back in in the fourth. Um, but we we couldn't get out of this. We couldn't get out of our own way. And um, I mean, that kind of thing is is something you have to adjust for. But on the simplest level, we're playing against a team that's huge. You know. And, and mm-hmm. guess what? The next games, if they happen, you know, we've got Atlanta, which has got Collins and Capella. we got Orlando, which is um, Vucicic, or Vulicic and Gordon, um, Zion and Adams. I mean, we got huge teams coming up. And if we keep playing these small lineups, we're going to get crushed. 80 points in the paint we gave up? Yeah. You can't do that. You know, but – and Vanderbilt didn't foul out. I know he was in foul trouble, but – if we're that short on big men, he's going to foul out. I'm going to let him play till he fouls out. Mm-hmm. And Nas Reed played 14 minutes. Nas has been one of the better surprises this year. I mean, not surprises. I expected him to play well, but mm-hmm. um, he's playing way better than an undrafted guy in his second year, and he's got size. Like, play him next to Cat if we need to, if we're getting crushed inside. Like, sometimes you have to step away from your plan, and you need to pivot. And it was time to pivot, to make a move, and we didn't. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so I'm going to do a follow-up. In, in you, this, this can be kind of a quick answer kind of thing. Do you think that Ryan Saunders should be relieved of his duties as coach? And we'll start with you, Chris. What do, you, do you think it's time to make a move already? Um, I mean – I would say no, not this year. I don't think it's going to help. I don't think you can do that in the middle of the year, especially this crazy year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't th- – I mean, 
is as bad as I think he's done this year, he's also not been given very, very good cards to play. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he literally doesn't have a power forward on the roster. Um, and, you know, that's not going to help. He had Cat, who's been out most of the games. That doesn't help. He's had half his rosters new or, you know, basically new, has never played together. They had no time for practice um, preseason. I mean, I don't know what kind of offense you can put in when you've got two weeks to put it all in while you're trying to get guys in shape, but it can't be very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it would work. But, I mean, if, if all of a sudden, you know, Brett Brown said he's looking to coach, I think I would, you know, I would sniff around it. I mean, if you can find a great coach, but they're all coaching their teams right now too. So that's I true. I think it would be time to let it play out. Um, see what Rosas does in the off season and at the trade deadline this year. Um, who knows? But I do think that we don't, we shouldn't be sold on this guy. I mean, like we've said in other podcasts, he hasn't earned, in my opinion, he didn't earn his way up the ranks to get this job. So it's not like he is owed anything. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's 30 some of these jobs in the, in the world um, to coach in the NBA. And there's probably a hundred more qualified candidates, not saying he can't be good, but there's other guys that are more qualified than him. And uh, I don't think that we should be locked into him long-term. Mm-hmm. And Donover, what do you what do you think? Do you think it's time to pull the plug, or should we let it play out? Uh, I think we should let it play out. As much as I would love to overreact to what we've seen so far, uh, I think Chris hit the nail on the head with that. Uh, we've had Cat what four games now. We've based everything around him. Can't scrap that mid season. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a really underplayed part is cat really likes Ryan Saunders. And I think right now taking another person away from cat, isn't probably our best idea. Yeah. 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 I I would tend to agree as well, particularly like you said, um, it's a weird season. You don't want to throw off the chemistry more than it already has. They're just trying to build chemistry. So I like, I, I think he should be on somewhat of a short leash, but I don't think that, like, I don't think it should be a love affair over him, but I, I don't think that they should get rid of him. So someone who did not have a good game and for the second game in a row um, against Memphis was Anthony Edwards. 17 minutes, two points, three rebounds. And now I, I know that he's young. Okay, he's only 19 years old. He was a freshman when he came out of college, but – he hasn't played well since his, and we haven't done a show since then, but we, since his mistake against San Antonio, which we, which I, I just wrote off as just, hey, it's a rookie mistake, whatever. Um, just we, we'll move forward from this. It'll be fine. Do you, and I'll, and I'll start with you, Donover. Do you think that what, what happened in, at the end of the San Antonio game is still haunting uh, Anthony Edwards and, do you think that's the reason that he's not playing well right now, or do you think it's something else? I I do think it's haunting him. You can kind of see it, especially like during warmups and during the games. He doesn't look like he's having as much fun as he as he was earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that kind of plays back to 
over the last two to three games, his jumper is not falling. I think his confidence really rises and falls with his jumper. He loves, loves his jumper, which same with Andrew Wiggins. I think we need to get what we got through with Wiggins that last year to quit falling in love with that long two. Luckily, Anthony Edwards doesn't shoot very many of those, but he just loves to take that three. Uh, I, like I said, premature. He's been on the team for, what, less than three months? Mm-hmm. Less than three months now. Edwards takes about 43 of his shots from three, 43% of his shots from three, and 34 within three, to, within three feet. I want to see those numbers flip. He can get to the rim whenever he wants. I think getting to the rim and finishing at the rim will really help his confidence. He's shooting 60% from three feet in and 26% from three. I mean, just looking at the numbers, I don't see why he just doesn't attack the rim almost every time he gets it. I think we need to run some more sets for him as well. Mm-hmm. And then, Chris, what do, you think, what do you think is wrong with Anthony Edwards? Do you think it's the mistake compiling, or what do, what do you think? Well, I mean, I don't even really think that was a mistake. Um, I listened to Sam Mitchell talk about it. I think it was him. And he said, you know, he made the right move. He made an immediate uh, drive after after the guy ran out at him. And he, and the whole bench, I guess, was yelling 3-3-3, three, 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 which, you know, that's why he passed it. He was going to dunk, he said. And mm-hmm. um, D'Lo was streaming down open. And, and if he would have just took a couple steps to his right, D'Lo would have been wide open for a corner three. And it, it might have been one of those plays where you're like, wow, this rookie's got it. Um, there's one, one thing that I love about Edwards right now is his passing. I mean, when he gets to the hole, he's not always looking to shoot. Sometimes he's looking to pass more than he should, but he's definitely making good passes. What I think his problem is, is not to harp on coach, but what is his role right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what is his role? I mean, you've got a guy like um, Ball in, in, in uh, Charlotte where – you know, he comes in, he runs a second unit. He's got his little uh, alley-oop buddy in there. Um, I mean, he knows what he's doing. Uh, Wiseman knows what he's doing. He's like the fourth man. He's going to do his little pick and rolls. He's going to clean up the garbage, all that kind of stuff. Edwards is just kind of floating around, doesn't really have a role. Um, so I think that might be part of it. The The NBA is now maybe starting to look more like a job. When he first came in, it was just the fun and the lights, and he was playing like a kid in the playground, which he is. I mean, he skipped his senior year of high school to go to the, to go to, uh, to college. So he's basically a freshman in college age right now. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think there's, I think there's no reason to worry about it, but I think he does need to find a role and I think it's on Saunders to get that locked in. And there's been that talk about him maybe playing some power forward, which sounds crazy, but he's a third heaviest guy in the team. And, you know, when he's locked in on somebody defensively, man to man, I think he's looked good when he's in, when he's playing off the ball, he's looked terrible. So maybe, you know, challenge him and say, Hey, guard this big guy. He's a physical guy with a lot of confidence. Um, that might just be enough to spark him and give him that drive to, you know, to compete a little harder. I think he just needs to to know what he's what his role is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. He, I think a lot of, I think to your point, I think a lot of the Timberwolves, just other than like the point guards, are just kind of floating out there, not knowing exactly what they're supposed to do or what their role is. 
And I, I think that's a big issue with Saunders and the team in general. So uh, something that I noticed from this last Timberwolves game against Memphis is I feel like no one is boxing out. Like you said, they gave up 80 points in the paint. And there were a lot of times where Valanchunas, uh, someone would, or someone on Memphis would put up a three-pointer and, and, um, and just Valanchunas would be right next to the basket, ready for, ready, ready for an offensive rebound, and no one would put a body on him. How do you think the Wolves can rebound the ball better? Is it, is it simply just guys like Towns and Vanderbilt who wasn't in the game or in Wancho just boxing out, or, or do you think there's more to it? Let's start with you, Chris. I mean, you want to say it's toughness or, or you got to try hard, but, you know, the other team's trying hard too, and the other team's tough too. Um, to me, it comes down to personnel. Um, there's guys that have it in them to attack the rim, and there's guys that don't. Um, we have a lot of guys that don't. Um, and the guys that do like to attack the rim and do like to rebound are Malik Beasley, um, Jared Culver has been doing a good job at it. One of the few things he's done well, maybe the only thing he's done well, um, and Vanderbilt and Cat, obviously. But like a lot of those guys, like probably our best rebounders are our point guards and our guards. I mean, Rubio's always been a high, high level rebounder. Delo's a decent rebounder. Um, we just don't have the personnel. I mean, it comes down to that. And I don't want to harp on on the personnel because I know this this isn't a finished product you know like we didn't even want really Wancho like Wancho wanted wanted 10 plus million a year in free agency and we told him go find that deal and come back to us uh, and he didn't meanwhile we went after um speaking of the Harden trade and what it might open up we went after Larry Nance Jr. who's on Cleveland who might end up you know being a piece that might be moved now that they're getting other pieces um, so we went after Larry Nance to see what he would cost. We went after Aaron Gordon. We went after um, who's a high flyer out in uh, out in Portland right now. Um, Derek Jones Jr. Derek Jones Jr. Yep. We went after him. We went after Millsap. So like we actively try to try to get different power forwards in. None of those guys clicked or, or the deals didn't work. So we slid like, okay, we'll give you this backup money, Wancho because we were over the cap anyways, so we might as well pay somebody so he can be a trade asset. So I would say until after the trade deadline, you're looking at what you got, you know? We've got a lot of flaws. We've got a guy like Ed Davis who might be able to rebound, but do nothing else. Or you got a guy like Wancho who hopefully will get back to being a 35% three-point shooter where that's an asset, but he's not gonna rebound. Um, I think we're just going to be bad rebounders, you know, mm-hmm. and unfortunately last game, we were also bad in transition. So you're either going to play, if you play small, you better be good on transition. Um, Cause you can't rebound. We were bad in both. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I told, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, Donovan, anything to add to that? How can we improve our rebounding? Uh Again, Chris just kind of nailed exactly what I was thinking. We just don't have the personnel to do it. Obviously, a big problem with last night was uh, Vanderbilt in foul trouble. He mm-hmm. a, a good rebounder for us. And with Anthony Edwards, if we can get him out there and define his role, he's a, he's a 
plus rebounder as well this far in his career. Mm-hmm. No yeah, just really throw bodies at it. What were you going to say, Chris? There's no reason why Edwards, in a perfect world, when he's playing the three at his size and athletic ability, shouldn't be getting, you know, five, six rebounds a game. Like, we should be able to rebound as a team very well. I mean, Beasley's been doing it. Edwards mm-hmm. needs to do it. Um, and we just need that guy to get seven boards a game as a power forward, and we just don't have it. So yeah, yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with what you were saying there. So what kind of what I want to move to? I feel like D'Lo has been having some good games lately, but Rubio hasn't really been great for us. I mean, we're paying him seventeen million dollars to play to be our backup point guard, and I feel like he's not performing in the way. Um, uh, Donover, what do you think of the Rubio? Uh, um, D'Lo backcourt and what do you uh, the, it seems like that like they're playing on the court together a lot what do you what do you think do you think it can work or do you think they're two polar opposites that that, that it won't work and and who do you think should be the main ball handler as well uh coming into the season watching Rubio with Mitchell and Booker I thought yeah this this looks like a match made in heaven Rubio can facilitate get easy buckets for D'Angelo but what, what we've seen so far is what gets D'Angelo going is running a pick and roll. Running pick and roll and getting in rhythm. Mm-hmm. His floaters, those elbow jumpers, and his three-point game. I, I think we got to put Ricky in a defined backup point guard role, let him run the second team, maybe add try to get another shooter down there with him because if we put him with Culver and Vanderbilt, like Ricky's not going to flourish in that role. We need to surround Ricky with playmaker or shooters around him, or else he's just kicking to Culver or Koji, and they're just bricking threes. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And uh, Chris, um, you, you've kind of said in the past who you think should be the main ball handler, but wh- how do you think that the that the Rubio D'Lo backcourt I- is going so far? And uh, how, how do you what do you think the outlook for it is moving forward? I mean, just like just like Donovan said, like it made sense. Like it should work, but it's not. And part of it might be that when Rubio's game is clicking, um, and when Rubio is doing his Rubio thing, which he's elite at doing the things he does, it is counterproductive for D'Lo to be elite at what D'Lo's elite at. You know, like you said. Um, so it's tough. Um, obviously Rubio is the odd man out in that situation. And I'm comfortable with that because I mean, D'Lo is the guy that has the max star potential type, type, uh, outcome. Um, but Rubio's also started every game of his life. And, um, you know, when he's been successful, it's been running teams full of talent. Um, He's the type of guy that makes every talented person around him better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also the type of guy that if he's around untalented guys, he makes them almost worse. Um, or maybe not worse, but definitely it, it makes the whole – he doesn't make up for their lack of talent, you know? Like, so I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. 
Um, and I love Ricky Rubio. He's one of my three favorite Timberwolves of all time, I would say. But you also have to be knowledgeable enough to know that this isn't working. Like you said, you can't roll with a Kogi, Lehman, and uh, Vanderbilt, and Edwards when he's not hitting and think that that's going to work. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not the kind of drink that he stirs. So we need to probably look at Rubio in a different light and maybe the same light that Rosas looked at this. What I think half of the Rubio deal was, was locker room Rubio, which I think is good. Um, I mean, he's been the guy coming out saying, uh, we're not playing well, the whole team's, you know, dogging it. I mean, he's, and he said even himself has been playing bad. So he's taking blame, but I think what we need to look at it is like Rosas probably did is I think they, I think they floated um, James Johnson around that, that uh, expiring contract and maybe a first or maybe Culver or something. And they weren't getting any action back. Um, Mm -hmm. That wasn't bringing in any trades. So he said, well, I'm going to extend this $17 million um, trade asset one more year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Rubio is going to be. I think Rubio's main value to this team, other than, you know, maybe a, a locker room guy, a veteran, an adult in the locker room, is $17 million to help ma- match a larger contract. Um, I don't think on the court it's going to work. Um, which is crazy to say because he was so damn good in the bubble. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was dominant in the bubble. Like he was on some list of some of the better players that were in the bubble period. Um, he made it work. And that was three months ago. He was fast. He was, you know, in and out on defense. Uh, he was hitting his shots. He was creating for everyone. And, and he's doing none of that right now. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it. Um He's mentioned he's out of shape and he's getting back in shape. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it's an emotional thing. He's been a starter his whole life. Now he's a, and he's been the last two teams have kicked him to the curb. Now he comes to the Timberwolves who have another point guard that's kicking him to the curb. Um, maybe it's an, maybe it's a mental thing where he's just depressed at being, you know, now the second fiddle when he's used to being since 14 years old, the lead dog. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but, it's definitely not working, but it's 11 games into a 72, 72 game season. So who knows? Yeah. And I, I think that like, like you were saying, he's got to have shooters around him. Like he's not going to do anything with like Culver Vanderbilt, even Anthony Edwards, as, as hard as it is to say, I mean, he hasn't been shooting well. So Rubio thrives in a situation where he has shooters around him where Rubio can just cut through the paint, make the defense kind of drop to him, and then he can dish it out to someone uh, to hit a three, which is kind of where the NBA is going. But the pro- I think the problem is we just don't have those kind of players on our bench with the second unit that they can play with. But, yeah, I mean, yes, when he's with Malik Beasley, Beasley has been great um, lately. I mean, he's been, he's been hitting threes. Uh, D'Lo, of course, can shoot, but – what I thought was interesting was, and we were talking about it, even when D'Lo and Rubio are in there at the same time, D'Lo's still taking the ball up the court. Like, it's that Rubio's playing off the ball a lot, and I feel like that, that doesn't suit him whatsoever. It should be the other way. Yeah, right? 
because Delo's the one who can shoot. So yeah, I, I think they should switch it up. So uh, w- one thing that I so we're what we're ten ga- we're three and eight right now. So we are eleven games into the season, and obviously we went into the season. I made a video on my channel saying, "Hey, I think that we're going to be the eighth seed or something this year." Not feeling so good about that right now. Um, obviously with with I mean, Towns got COVID, so he could be out ten days at the very least. We're three and eight. We're worst in the West, and things just start looking good. So we'll start with you, Chris. What are the realistic expectations for the what should be the realistic expectations for this team going forward? Is it still like to sneak into the playoffs, or is that not even is that a pipe dream? What do you think, Chris? You know, I think. I mean, it's such a, it's such a, a soft answer, but I think it is the last 20 games of the season, last 30 games. I want to be 500 for those 30 games. Like by the end of the year, I want to be like, okay, we're going in the right direction. Um, but the problem is, is if we keep playing the way we're playing, those last 30 games might be very important to not be 500. I mean, our first round pick is top three protected. Um, I don't think that we're going to, even if we get the number one pick, I would be very surprised if we keep it or we trade, maybe we keep that and trade Edwards or something, but I don't think we need to add another high school kid on, on this roster mm-hmm. um, saying high school, you know, basically. Um, but it's going to be tough. I think there's going to be a real, uh, a real long look to decide, are we going to try to, you know, to win as many games as we can, or are we going to try to uh, quote unquote, develop the youth, AKA tank. Um, It's going to be interesting to see which way this goes. I personally, as a fan, I just want to see decent basketball. Every Mm -hmm. game that cats played in has been good Um, by good. I mean, you know, we've been in it. We've looked good. We've fallen apart like in the fourth quarter last game, but I mean, we were looking good the whole game. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem is, is we were looking really good and only up one or two, which means, you know, we were also turning the ball over and and playing bad, but um, I just want to see some competitive basketball. As long as it's not blowouts, I would be I would be perfectly fine if we lose almost all the games, but we lose them by two or nail biters. Like I just want to see basketball where people are developing. I want to see Anthony Edwards um, look like it wasn't a mistake. Um, And by no means am I saying it's a mistake this early. I think that's ridiculous, but I want to see him the last 30 games, you know, shooting 35% from three, getting to the line six times a game. Um, I want to see development. I want to see, the system look like it's the right system. Mm-hmm. Um, wins and losses don't really matter to me right now. Yeah, I, I totally see what you're saying. And Donover, what do you think? What should be the realistic expectations for this team um, coming, going forward? Coming into the season, I, I said I expected them to be around that 9-10 seed coming in, mm-hmm. uh, competing for the play-in game. I think you kind of need that with the nucleus you have in place with Cat and Delo's age, like they need to start producing wins. 
and that's that's all I really care about at this point. I think they should be close to 500 down the stretch, especially with Cat playing. If Cat continues to stay involved, especially defensively, that's a complete game and franchise changer if Cat finally commits to defense and they can put someone around him and we can – yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, like you were saying, I just – I don't want to be terrible anymore. I feel like this team is too good to be terrible. And I just – it's just it, – it's hard to see us – and some some of it's its own fault, but it's hard to see us waste Carl Anthony Towns' prime like this. Like, right. it's, it's, it's really disappointing to see it, and I hope it doesn't continue. Well, guys, I think that's about it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's been fun. Let's get some wins. Like you said, we got to look, we got to get some wins. Right, right. Absolutely. Uh, what's, uh, let's see, let's take a look at the schedule for this week. Obviously, this tonight's game was. Who knows? Yeah. How many do they scrap? I mean, That's true. That's true. Um, so we got the, uh, the, uh, the Hawks coming up. Um, we got. The you you were saying the magic coming up and then yeah, the we Hawks, Magic, Hawks, Pelicans, Golden State, Golden State, Sixers. Okay. Well, I would say they're winnable, but without Cat, who knows? I mean, who knows going forward? But uh thanks so much, guys, for joining me. And this has been another episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast.